Great to have you with us this morning, uh, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. Good to see so many from uh, the Taylor re-wedding yesterday. Uh, it's nice to see uh, a few familiar faces who were there. To be honest, um, so some of you will know Matt and Sam uh, Taylor, who got married during COVID, got married again yesterday, but not actually. Um, just had a big party, and it was really uh, fun. I have never been to a wedding, though, where so many people absolutely stacked it. Um, uh, people were dropping like flies. I thought, well, there's going to be nobody at church tomorrow because everyone's going to be in hospital. See, that's what happens when you give Christians one glass of champagne. It was like Friday night in central Manchester. People were like, uh, uh, just absolutely laid out. Every, I, it, was, it was ridiculous. I, I've never seen more, more people fall over. At one point, somebody ran into... The patio doors. Now, you would assume that was a child, wouldn't you? No, uh, it wasn't. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was because they are here this morning, uh, and I don't want to embarrass Akin. So, um, uh, so I'll just uh, yeah, I, I won't say any more of that. I'll take that secret to my grave. Um, but yeah, it was a great uh, it was a great time uh, celebrating with Matt and Sam. Uh, you know. It, it, Many of us watched their their actual wedding uh, online when there was just about 30 people in, in the building uh, a year or so ago. So it was great to actually all be there in person. Um, but it's great to be here with, with you all this morning. And uh, if you are new or visiting us today, welcome. It's great to have you. Welcome to Trinity Church. My name's Pete. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're joining us online, it's great to have you with us as well. And uh, when Mark says, and we genuinely mean it, we would love to get to know you. I know the contact card is kind of, you know, some people are like, oh man, I don't want to fill these in because we'll just endlessly spam you. And you know, you're so right, we will. Um, no, we won't, absolutely. Uh, we just want to get to know you. We want to know your story. We want to know how we can serve you. But perhaps most of all, our heart here at Trinity Church is not that we get to know you and you get to know us, but that together we get to know Jesus. And that's uh, really what our series at the moment is all about. It's called Simply Jesus. And we're thinking today about the fact that so often we come to Jesus with assumptions about who he is. Uh, I think all of us do this, whether uh, we've never opened the Bible before, whether we've been Christians for a long time. We think we know Jesus is, but what we're trying to do each week as we open the Gospel of Mark is take a closer look at who simply is Jesus. We're going to try to come to this eyewitness account of his life and ask, who is he? We know, don't we, that the better we know someone, the better we can relate to them. And that's my hope and prayer for each of us this morning, that as we open Mark 6 together, we would better relate to Jesus as a result. So let me, let me pray for us and ask God time together. With, with low expectation in this time. But right now, Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, you would help us to hear from you. So that each of us leaves today knowing that we have met with the living God. And I ask, Lord, that as a result of these things, we would know Jesus better and be filled with great joy as we experience him in our lives. And we ask it for his glory and in his name. Amen. You know, I've always been what is called an auditory learner. 
Uh, I don't mind reading books, but I've always got a lot more from hearing things. Um, uh, so I, I tended in university to read something, have absolutely no idea what it was on about, and then I'd go and sit down with a group of friends and talk about it, and then I'd understand it. I, I, I've always got more from lectures or sermons than I have just from sitting by myself reading a book. And so if you've ever hung out with me, I have this very annoying habit of saying, oh, that reminds me of something that someone once said to me, and then I'll recount some story that's probably usually irrelevant and not actually that helpful. Um, but one of the phrases that stuck with me as a little boy was the phrase, don't assume because it makes an ass of you and me. That, uh, I don't know if you ever heard that one. Uh, I think it stuck with me as an eight-year-old because I thought it was very clever. It helped me spell the word, and it also allowed me to say the word ass, which as an eight-year-old, you just, you're in on that one, aren't you? you, know, you know, that's, uh, that's a good thing. But um, we know that assumptions are generally a bad idea, aren't they? At the very least, we hate being judged on the basis of someone else's assumptions about us, rather than on who we actually are. But here's the thing. Research shows that though we hate being treated that way, we are doing that ourselves all the time. There was a study in 2006 by the University of Princeton where they uh, conducted some research that showed that we form our opinions about people's trustworthiness so a fairly significant part of their character. We form our opinions about people's trustworthiness on the basis of the first tenth of a second when we view their face. That's what we are doing all the time. We are making assumptions on the basis of what's happening in our subconsciousness. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems to be a really bad idea. Don't, don't you think? It's good to be aware that we do that because we are making, because, well, because assumptions make an ass out of you and me, right? We make bad decisions based on assumptions. And in this instance, we may end up trusting someone that we shouldn't or not trusting someone that we should. And the reason I mentioned that this morning is that what the Bible is teaching us this morning from Mark 6 is that when we make assumptions about Jesus, when we think we know who he is without allowing ourselves to really get to know him, the consequences can actually be catastrophic for our lives. And if assumption is so prevalent in our lives that we are constantly forming opinions on the basis of one-tenth of a second of viewing someone's face, then there is a good chance that each of us this morning holds assumptions about Jesus that are, at best, unhelpful and, at worst, significantly damaging for our ability to experience him at work in our lives. I've known him for many years. Our assumptions prevent us from experiencing Jesus' power. That's what's today. What we see there, uh, as Pauline just read for us a moment, the response that he received there. Jesus was amazed people he had known all his life, people who had lived down the road from him growing up, people who knew his family, people who had worked alongside, worked alongside him, who ate with him, who attended the synagogue with him. These were Jesus' people. These were his guys. Verse 1 tells us he was going home. And yet he is shocked 
in verse 6, at the lack of their faith. Now, we might find that surprising when we consider it, that those who knew Jesus so well did not trust him. Mark has announced back at the beginning of the gospel, if you were with us last year when we, when we kicked off our, um, our studies in Mark um, chapter 1, Mark begins the gospel by announcing that this is the gospel of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And you would think, wouldn't you, that if the Son of God was living next door, you would notice. If God's Messiah, God's King, was in your class at school, of your colleagues, you would think that you would notice, right? Asking him for help and to heal them. Whereas crowds were gathering to hear him teach and hanging on his every word. Though countless people brought the sick and the demonized to his door so that he would lay hands on them and heal them, the very people who Jesus grew up with, the people who he was closest to, they just weren't bothered at all. In fact, they weren't just disinterested. Mark tells us today that they were shocked and offended by him. So if you have your Bible open, uh, look down with me in verse 2. It says that when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They're stunned. They're shocked. Like, actually, like many others before them. Uh, back in chapter 1, verse 22, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, which is a town about 25 miles up the road from Nazareth. And we read there that the, that the people were amazed, same word, at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority. But whereas people had flocked to Jesus previously... Now, at the end of verse 3 in chapter 6, we read that in Nazareth, people hear what Jesus teaches. People see this guy standing at the front of the synagogue, and they are offended. They're angry. Who does this guy think he is? You see, the difference is actually in their assumptions. They assume that they already know who he is. Did you notice that? See, in verse 2, they're asking all the same questions as those before them. Where did, these man, where, did, where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Though Jesus prompted many different responses, the one thing he never encountered was indifference. People weren't bored by Jesus, his remarkable authority when he taught, his wisdom and insight that he provided, his power that was displayed when he interacted with people, healing their diseases, driving out demons. Those things, as you might imagine, created questions. And they were the right questions to be asking. As we read the gospel, as we consider who Jesus is, we should be asking these kinds of questions too. Where has he come from? What is he teaching? What can he do in my life and in the world? You see, when we're asking those kinds of questions, we are half a step away from cracking the code, from figuring out his identity, from understanding who he is and how he can help us. But one of the key things that prevents us from getting there are our own 
assumptions. Look at the Nazarenes. They're on the verge of working out who Jesus is. And then in verse verse 3, they say effectively, but we already know who he is. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? So in other words, what they're saying is it doesn't really matter what we're seeing here. It doesn't really matter what we're hearing. We already know this guy. He made the table in my living room. He went to school with our lads. His sisters work at the shop at the end of the road. He can't be the Messiah. He is one of us. You see, contrary to the idea that I think some of us receive from kind of Renaissance art or maybe looking at some sort of ethereal light, he was a builder. That's actually the, the, the word that is used there that's translated carpenter. Jesus was a builder. That's what his dad would have done. That's what he would have done. Nazareth was a town uh, just down the road from another, another town that in Herodian times, we have historical records, the town burnt down. And so they would have needed a lot of tradesmen to rebuild that city. So Jesus probably was on the job with some of these guys. He would have had his pack up. You know, 23-year-old Jesus. We don't have any uh, record of what Jesus was doing when he was 23 years old. Apart from here, they say he was a carpenter. He would have left home in the morning, gone to work, labored like everyone else, come home at the end of a long day. See, these people saw Jesus and they said, he's ordinary. He's just a bloke. And they assumed that he was nothing more. And the result, in verse 5, look there with me. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. What's that telling us? That their assumptions prevented them from experiencing Jesus' power because they didn't come to him in faith. And when, like the Nazarenes, our assumption Our assumptions about him prevent us from doing that, from coming to him in faith. When we deny who he says he is, then what we are sacrificing in our lives is the opportunity to experience his power at work. You see, Jesus is not going to force them. Jesus is not going to force us to receive him. That's not how he works. It's not that Jesus was incapacitated in Nazareth by people's lack of faith. It's not that all of a sudden he's like, oh man, I can't do anything here. So Jesus isn't willing if we don't come to him in faith. Now, let's press into that for a moment because I think that that shows up in a couple of different ways in our lives. First, uh, it shows up in the lives of what we might might term unbelievers. Uh, These are people who hear the claims of Jesus and decide that he cannot be who he says he is. Some people make that judgment on the basis of very little information. I'm sure you know people like that who say, no, no, I'm never going to be a Christian. Oh, you read the Bible then. No, no, but it's obviously wrong, you know. Some people make that judgment on the basis of very little information. Other people have studied the Bible 
perhaps even professed faith at some point, but for one reason or another have walked away from it. They don't have faith. Perhaps that's some of you today. And if that, if that is, it's great to have you with us. Uh, thanks so much for being with us and thinking through these things. But what I simply would say to you is, I, for now, just recognize that you come to Jesus with assumptions. I would encourage you to ask yourself, what assumptions do you have that mean that you dismiss the claims of Jesus? We all love, don't we, to think that we are perfectly objective judges. We, everyone else has their biases, but I don't. That prevent us from considering other beliefs. For example, if you think that the supernatural world doesn't exist, then you are going to have a pretty hard time coming. Now, honestly, I'd say that I put pretty much every Christian that I know in this category at one level or another. All of us, to one degree, have doubts as we follow Jesus. Maybe not all the time, but I've rarely met a Christian who at some point or other doesn't have significant doubts. I'm not just talking about the doubts that shake the very foundations of our faith. There are doubts like that, of course, and we go through seasons, uh, many of us, like that, asking the kind of questions like, is God actually real or am I just making it all up? Don't worry, if you've ever had that thought, you're not alone. Um, but there's, there's doubts that go more like this. Um, does Jesus actually care about me today? Can Jesus actually help me in this moment of crisis? Is Jesus actually happy with me? Or actually today, is he really kind of angry with me about how I'm living my life. You see, we might assume for a whole variety of different reasons that Jesus doesn't like us or that Jesus could help us. He has the power, but he probably won't. Or that Jesus is, is great for eternal life, but he's not so good for this one. And so we doubt. Those assumptions lead to doubt, and we often fail to go to him as we talked about last week. And often that, that prevents us from experiencing his power, his grace, his goodness, his life at work in our lives. Our assumptions are doing that because they are stopping us from going to Jesus. And so I, ju I just want to encourage us all this week, whether we've been Christians a long time or whether uh, you're here this morning just because somebody else dragged you along, I want to encourage each of us to question our assumptions as we come to Jesus. Question our assumptions. What do I mean by that? Well, in the last few minutes, let me give you two examples. I thought about how, how am I going to explain question, uh, question your assumptions. I thought I can either talk in theoretical terms, but I thought, Stuff that. You're not interested in that. This morning, I'm just going to tell you about two ways in which I try and do this. And hopefully it will uh, put some flesh on the bones and help you reflect on how you can do this as well. Uh, the first way um, that I will share with you is, is from a time when I was in that first category of being an unbeliever as a younger man. You see, what I assumed about Jesus was that he wanted me to be perfect. That's really what I thought Jesus was all about. And that, I think, shaped and defined how I related to him and how I felt about him. Honestly, it made me angry. I 
uh, a bit like, I was a bit like those guys back in Nazareth. When I opened the Bible and when I thought about Jesus, what I felt was this crushing burden. Like Jesus is, is giving me this example and saying, this is, what, this is who you should be, Pete. This is what you should be like. And look at what a massive screw-up you are. And that, that did not feel like good news to me. It isn't good news. It felt unobtainable. It felt very unattractive. And so I thought, I, I'm not interested. I don't want to come to Jesus if he is like that. But you see, it was only when I questioned that assumption and started really listening with the Bible open to who Jesus is and what he was saying to me that I realized that I wasn't being asked to be perfect. I wasn't being given a laundry list of rules in order to follow him. I realized that he was offering me the gift of forgiveness and the power to live a new life, a life transformed by his grace in relationship with him. I realized I was being offered a love that wouldn't fail, even on the days when I failed him, even on the days when I screwed up. You see, what I realized was that my assumption was wrong. One of the biggest things that was stopping me from going to Jesus wasn't right. I needed to question it to see that. Maybe you can resonate with that this morning. But you see, questioning my assumptions is not something that I did just on my journey to faith. But it's something that I continue to do as a follower of Jesus. I mean, I could give you like a hundred different examples of this. But an assumption that often pops in my mind is Jesus won't help you. I don't know if you ever think like that. Maybe not explicitly, but ask yourself, do you ever think like that? See, just like you, I face a whole variety of different pressures in my life, whether it's the pressure of leading a church, which I know lots of you don't do, but uh, leading in business or leading in the home or in the family, being, being a husband, being a father, these are some of the, the, the pressures that come into my life. The pressures of big life decisions, the pressures of not knowing not knowing what the right thing to do is. That's hard, isn't it? Keeps us awake at night. And despite the fact that my job, my, my literal job is to open this book and to tell us what God is saying to us through it, despite that, I'm often unsure in my own heart about who Jesus is. Despite the fact that I stand here each week and tell us Jesus loves us. He died on the cross to win us back to himself, to forgive us for our sins so that we can live in relationship with him and know his help, his strengthening grace each and every day. That's the kind of thing we say each and every week here at Trinity Church. Despite the fact that I, I'm the guy standing here doing that, when that pressure, when that challenge comes... And I often feel stressed. Something inside me often goes, ah, Jesus doesn't want to help you. You have to deal with that by yourself, Pete. You have to deal with it on your own. 
And it's a fight to question that assumption. It is for me. I'm sure it is for you too. To say, wait, what? What? Where does that come from? Why am I feeling the crushing burden of responsibility for everything when the king who sits on the throne tells me that he stands ready to help me? He's not rolling his eyes going, oh, it's Pete Evans again. What a massive loser. He can't even look after himself. I'm going to have to do it again. That's not who Jesus is. He is so eager to help us, that he's calling to us repeatedly. Every time we open this word, he is calling to us repeatedly, let me help you, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's, that's who Jesus is. He's saying to us, trust me, rely on me, don't shut me out. Because again, what are we saying? Our assumptions our incorrect assumptions prevent us from experiencing Jesus' power, Jesus' grace, Jesus' love, Jesus' forgiveness, because we don't go to him. Those of us who were at Matt and Sam's wedding yesterday, rerun, Mark 2, whatever you want to call it, we, we heard it again from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus doesn't want to help me. Who are you kidding? His word tells us time and time again to question your assumptions, friend, brother, sister. Question your assumptions and ask yourself, who does he say that he is? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Absolutely. But he does not just make tables. He is the one who made the universe. He is not just Mary's son. He is the son of the Most High. Veiled in ordinariness is the Son of God sent to deliver us from sin and rescue us from its consequences. So let me, let me encourage us this morning. Let us pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to question our assumptions so that we might be a people who live lives full of faith. We do not want to be a people. We do not want to be a church. We do not want to be individuals whose epitaph would read, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. So brothers and sisters, let us be a people who trust him. Let us be a people who believe him. And let us see what Jesus will do. Let me pray. Father, help us to listen to your word and believe it. So often we assume, we assume incorrectly that we know who Jesus is. Maybe some of us have been Christians here for years 
And there are deep-rooted assumptions about who Jesus is, about how he works in our lives that we really need to question. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would shine your light onto those things so that you can start working in our hearts and we can start turning back to you and saying, Jesus, I don't believe this, but I need to believe it. Maybe there are some of us here this morning who have never believed you, that there is some massive thing in our lives that we just go, I could never believe Jesus because of this. Holy Spirit, again, shine your light. Do your work. Help us to question our assumptions. And as we do that, oh Lord, help us to experience more of Jesus. Jesus, we want to be people who come to you. We want to be people who know you. We want to be people who lean upon you and who experience your grace and your power, your forgiveness, your love at work in our lives. And we need your help to do that. So hear our prayers now. We ask it in your name. Amen.